Numbers chapter 22. I want to give you one thing and one thing only today. You will only see one slide today, but I need you to get it. Okay, so if you'll do me a favor, memorize the slide that you're about to see. Think about it. And this is the exact point that I want you to get today. If you get nothing else, get this one phrase. The phrase is this. God doesn't need you. He wants you. Think about this. God doesn't need you. He wants you. As I have looked through the story of Balaam, and really this is behind the scenes. There's very little uh, that the children of Israel know is going on here. There's not much that they understand about this story. In fact, up until this point, from Numbers chapter 13 all the way to Numbers chapter 22, we spent a great deal of time looking and, and focusing on the children of Israel. And now it's as if God takes a step back and says, here's another part of the story that's going on. And listen, every story in the Bible is there for a reason. God doesn't put things in the Bible just for sake of filling up space. He doesn't do that. The fact of the matter is this story's in there for a reason. As I began to try to understand what's going on in this story, why Balaam is is the one chosen, why he he asks God and God says no, and why why God still says no, and he still goes ahead and does it, and then his donkey begins to talk to him, and the angel of the Lord is standing there getting ready to kill Balaam, and then he says, you know what, go ahead, and then we continue in the story. I'm, I'm wondering what in the world is the point of this? We can learn things from it. There are absolutely a, a hundred things we can learn from it, from, from principles in the story, but why? Why? And here we are, picking up the story with Balaam finally meeting Balak. If you would look in verse 36 with me, the Bible says, And when Balak heard that Balaam was come, he went out to meet him unto a city of Moab, which is in the border of Arnon, which is in the utmost coast. Verse 37 of 22. Still hear people turning, so I just want to give you a chance to get there. Verse 37, the Bible says, And Balak said unto Balaam, Did I not earnestly send unto thee to call thee? Wherefore camest thou not unto me? Am I not able indeed to promote thee to honor? And Balaam said unto Balak, Lo, I am come unto thee. Have I now any power at all to say anything? The word that God putteth in my mouth, that shall I speak. Again, we see his focus here. Listen, I can't say anything but what the Lord will give me. Let's continue. And Balaam went with Balak, and they came unto Kirjath-Huzoth. And Balak offered oxen and sheep and sent to Balaam and to the princes that were with him. And it came to pass on the morrow that Balak took Balaam and brought him up into the highest places, watch this, of Baal, that thence he might see the utmost part of the people. Verse 1 of chapter 23, the story continues. And Balaam said unto Balak, Build me here seven altars, and prepare me here seven oxen and seven rams. And Balak did as Balaam had spoken, and Balak and Balaam offered on every altar a bullock and a ram. And Balaam said unto Balak, Stand by thy burnt offering, and I will go, peradventure, the Lord will come to meet me, and whatsoever he showeth me, I will tell thee. And he went to an high place. Verse 4, And God met Balaam, and said unto him, I have prepared seven altars. And I have offered upon every altar a bullock and a ram, and the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth and said, Return unto Balak, and thus thou shalt speak. 
And returned unto him, and lo, he stood by his burnt sacrifice, he and all the princes of Moab. And he took up his parable and said, Balak, the king of Moab, hath brought me from Aram out of the mountains of the east, saying, Come, curse me, Jacob, and come, defy Israel. Verse 8. How shall I curse whom God hath not cursed? Or how shall I defy whom the Lord hath not defied? For from the top of the rocks I see him. And from the hills I behold him. Lo, the people shall dwell alone and shall not be reckoned among the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob? And the number of the fourth part of Israel. Let me die the death of righteous of the righteous. And let my last end be like his. Verse 11. And Balak said unto Balaam, What hast thou done unto me? I took thee to curse mine enemies. And behold, thou hast blessed them altogether. And he answered and said, Must I not take heed? To speak that which the Lord hath put in my mouth. If you would allow me, let's pray and we'll continue this series. Father, thank you so much for all you've done for us. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you that you loved us first. Father, we get to love you because of that. Father, I pray that our heart would be full of love this morning for you. Father, that we would see what it is, Father, that you want from us. I pray that you would give us great wisdom today. And Father, we just love you. Thank you for the opportunity in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I want you to picture this story with me. I read most of the story here, but I want you to picture it with me. Balak is waiting a long time to hear from his princes. Hey, is, is Balaam coming or not? Like last time I sent princes, he's not, he didn't come. So this time I'm waiting. I sent more princes, more honorable than they. And, and so I want to know, are, are you coming? And finally, I, I, I picture it this way. Balak gets up in the morning and walks out on his front porch and begins to look across. And he sees some travelers coming and he begins to count them. I think that's one more than the last person or the last time I sent them. Oh, good. Well, maybe that's Balaam. And sure enough, Balaam comes and meets Balak for the very first time. And Balak simply says, what took you so long? Didn't you know that I was going to promote you to honor? Why didn't you come the first time? And he kind of berates him a little bit. And finally, Balaam says, listen, I'm here now. Whatever God says is what I will do. And so Balak says, well, let's go up to a high place, a high place of Baal, the Bible says. And if you'll picture this with me, I picture Balak rubbing his hands together, and he's a little bouncy, you know, going, a cursing we will go, a cursing we will go, hi-ho the Dario, a cursing we will go. He's all excited because here we go, we're going to get these children of Israel out of here, we're going to defeat them, it's going to be a wonderful time, and he's probably excited, he's probably as giddy as, as somebody, as a child at Christmas time. Christmas Eve's coming. It's a long way away. It snowed this morning, by the way, in case you didn't know that. But Christmas is coming. And you're excited. You're excited about what's going to happen the next morning. I remember as a kid waiting for my parents to wake up so that I could go. And it's just inside burning that I want. I'm so excited. And I, that's just the way I picture Balak right here. He's just so excited. Ooh, I've been waiting a long time for this. And he gets up there and Balaam goes and, and offers burnt offerings. The Bible says that he built seven different altars. Now again, picture this. Balak and his princes and probably some of his, some of his servants are there building seven altars. It would take some time to build seven altars. Made out of stone usually and building all these things up to the right size and the specifications that Balaam wanted. And then on those seven altars are sacrificed a bullock and a ram on 
each. That's 14 animals. In case you're not good at math, okay, seven times two animals, that, that's 14, okay? So there's 14 animals being sacrificed here, and Balaam says, all right, Balak, you wait here. I'm going to go to a, a, a place close, and I'm going to see if the Lord will talk to me there. So Balaam goes away. God meets with him. What a wonderful experience that must have been. God meets with him and says, everything that I say to you here, you go back and say to Balak. So he comes back, stands by his altar. And I'm not kidding you, I can just imagine the smirk on his face. He knows what God's already said and he knows what Balak wants. And so he begins to say the things that we just read about blessing them and how wonderful they are and their number shall be as the dust and, and all of these different things. And can you picture Balak with me? What are you doing? I called you here. I, I, I'm going to promote you to honor. And instead of cursing them, you bless them. This is not what I asked you to do. Folks, get this. This happens three times over. Balak, if, if, you'll, if you'll look in verse 13, and Balak said unto him, Come, I pray thee, with me unto another place, from whence thou mayest see them. Thou shalt see but the uttermost part of them, and thou shalt, not, and shalt see them all, but and curse them, me them from thence. He's saying, listen, okay, all right, all right, this, maybe this wasn't the best place. Let's go to another place, and there you can curse them. This happens three times over and over again. They move to a different location. They repeat the same story, seven rams, seven bullocks. They all get, they all get burnt offerings and all these things, and then guess what happens? Balaam blesses them again. Can you imagine the frustration that Balak has? Oh, by the second time, he's getting, he's getting a little bit upset. Does it again. Move to a different place. <laughs> Sacrifices seven more or 14 more animals. Does the same exact thing. And I just picture Balaam smirking, smiling, probably laughing at this point. But let me ask you this question. Why in the world did Balaam bless the children of Israel? Think about it. Why did Balaam bless the children of Israel. Because let's be honest, why didn't he just curse them? Why, I mean, he is, according to what I understand from the Bible, he is not an Israelite. He is not uh, somebody that is associated with these people. In fact, the way I understand it is I think that Balaam is a Moabite. He's a part of this people that will someday be conquered by the children of Israel. And we see that in the book of Joshua. On top of that, he's surrounded by the people of Moab, very prominent people of Moab. The king is there. The princes are there. There's probably some of his servants and higher-ranking people there. And he is the only one there that disagrees with what's going on. Why did he just curse them? What did he have to lose? What did he have to lose? Really, he had nothing to lose. Cursing the children of Israel would not affect him, right? Like on a very physical level. Cursing the children of Israel would not affect him whatsoever. He's not a part of them. He, he, so if I stand up and I say, they're cursed, they're not my people, what do I care? After this, Balaam was just going to go home and forget about the people of Israel. Hey, listen, I'm just going to curse them, I'm going to gain my honor, I'm going to go home and enjoy the riches that I can have. Why did he bless them? 
Cursing them was not going to affect him. In fact, it might have done very well for him. Right? Balak is offering money and and honor and riches and all kinds of good things. So if anything, from a purely our perspective, this would have been a great deal for Balaam. Man, you're an idiot. Instead of riding a donkey, you could be riding a white steed, man. Instead of being in, stuck somewhere in the boondocks, you can be in, the, in, in with the king, man. Why aren't you going to do this? You know, many of us ask ourselves this question on a daily basis. Why? Or, or why not? Pastor Holland said, listen, we want, we want you to invite people. We want you to invite people to church, and we want you to talk to people about Christ. And on Sunday nights, several weeks ago, we talked about being bold in our witness and talking to people about the things of Christ. Why? For what purpose? Why am I doing this? It's not going to hurt anybody if I don't. It's not going to, uh, uh, in fact, it's not going to affect me that much if they go to heaven or don't go to heaven. It's not, I mean, I'm going to heaven, right? It might even make me more popular if I don't say anything. Might maybe even get me a raise if I don't say anything. Why shouldn't I just do what I want? Why why shouldn't I just live the life that I want to live? Why why can't Balaam just do what he wants? Listen, he wanted riches. He wanted honor. That's why he went in the first place. Why not? Why in the world did he bless them? We sit here. We question the things that we know are right to do all the time. We question it. Why? Why should I do this? Why shouldn't I do this? Why, should I, why shouldn't I do what I want to do? We sit here and question God. We ask him, God, can I, can I do that thing? Can I watch that show? Can I listen to that music? Can I, you know, you, you name it, fill in the blank. Can I not tell that person? Can I not stand up for your name? Can I deny you here and can I deny you there? We begin to process this through and we begin to ask God these questions and we justify and we rationalize it until we are absolutely convinced, why not? It's not going to hurt anybody. I'm not affecting anybody. I'm just going to, you know, live my life the way that I want. Sometimes we'll often ask ourselves this question. What is the difference? Anybody ever ask themselves that question? Absolutely. I invited some people to Easter. You know what? They didn't come. So what's the difference? What's the difference if I ask them or don't ask them? What's the difference if I do this or if I do that? I mean, what's the difference if I obey God or, or, or obey man? What is the difference? And again, I don't know if Balaam asked himself this question or not. All I know is why didn't he? Let me ask you a question. Would it have made a difference in the lives of the Israelites if Balaam had cursed them instead of blessed them? Good answer. No. You see what I'm saying? Do you not think that God could have reversed any cursing that would have went on? 
100%. God could have. God absolutely could have changed what Balaam says. God got, this was God's people. It didn't matter who tried to curse him. It didn't matter who tried to do anything to him. Satan could have done anything he wanted to. But God has the power to reverse every situation. So most of us say, okay, what's the big deal then? Why didn't he just take the honor? Why didn't he just take the riches? He should have just cursed them. This is an absolute waste of time. It's a waste of a trip. He talked to his donkey. He's crazy now. I mean, all of this is just an absolute waste. So what's the difference? What is the difference if you choose to do something wrong or sinful? Every day we make choices based on this simple fact. Every day we make choices on the fact of, listen, I can do what's right or I can do what's wrong. I can sit down with my phone and I can read my Bible or I can look at something that I'm not supposed to look at. Every single day we all make these choices. What's the difference? What's the difference if I do read my Bible? And what's the difference if I do look at something that I'm not supposed to look at? What's the difference if I'm talking to this lady over here when my wife's over here? What's the difference? What does it matter? Why are we here? Can God reverse any effects that I do? 100% yes, God can. But I think there's something fundamentally wrong with the question, what's the difference? Fundamentally wrong with the question, what's the difference? You know what the problem is? This question assumes that God needs you. The quote is, God doesn't need you. When you say, what's the difference, you're assuming that God needs you. You're assuming that if if I do this, then something great is going to happen. That may or may not be true. The fact of the matter is you're assuming that God needs you, and most of you are going, oh, God doesn't need me? What's the point then? What's the point for serving God? What's the point in asking Jesus Christ to save me? What's the difference? What is the whole purpose of this story? What is the whole purpose of this story in the middle of Israel trying to get back to the promised land? What is the point? It's the behind behind the scenes type of story. Did God need Balaam to curse or bless his people? No. Did he need him to do anything? No. The fact of the matter is that everything you do makes some sort of difference for good or bad. Every action you have has consequences, good or bad. Remember that. But if we just go on living our life on whether or not we think we can make a difference or not, we are missing out on something spectacular. Let me say that again. Listen, I can go around and, listen, I'm in a position right now talking to 100 people. I'm in a position to make a difference. And listen, I can go around thinking, okay, how can I best make a difference? How can I best do what it is that that, that makes a difference in this world? And we see people do this all the time. I just watched a video about the um, Canadian Women's Hockey League being closed now. And how this one girl is trying to get the, excuse me, a a Women's Hockey League going like, like the National Hockey League. Just one league. And she's trying to make a difference. She's trying to do something. She's trying to make a difference in people's lives. And she even says in the video, listen, I want to make a difference in the lives of girls that are growing up now. 
This isn't for me necessarily, it's for other people. Listen, that's great, that's noble, that's wonderful, but listen, when we act like that, we act like God needs us. And when we act like that, we're missing out on something very, very special. God doesn't need you. Get this, he wants you. God doesn't need you, he wants you. Do you realize that God doesn't need you to conquer things for him? He doesn't need the children of Israel to wipe out the land of Moab. He doesn't need them to do it. He can do that all by himself. He doesn't need you to invite your neighbor to church. He doesn't need you to. He can do that all by himself. What's the point, Pastor Owens? What's the point? What are you getting at? God doesn't need your marriage to work. He wants your marriage to work. God doesn't need you to be a witness at work or school or in your neighborhood. He wants you to be. So what's the solution? What's, what is the benefit? What benefit was it to Balaam to do the right thing? Even when it wasn't popular. Even when you're surrounded by people, unsaved people at work or school that absolutely have, want nothing to do with Jesus Christ. What was the benefit of Balaam to bless the children of Israel right in front of the person who wanted them to be cursed? Watch this. It wasn't a physical benefit. You see, so often we get our eyes on a physical benefit, right? Come on, I'm not the only one, right? I'm physical benefit. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm physical because I, I'm counting how many people are here today. How well did we do today? Oh, good, we had 120. Oh, that's, that's good. That's really good. And listen, those are not wrong things to do. I'm just saying we're missing out on something. It wasn't a physical benefit. You know what the benefit was? It was to please God. You don't believe me? Let's go down to Numbers chapter 23. Look at verse 27. The Bible says, And Balak said unto Balaam, This is the third time this happens. Come, I pray thee. I will bring thee unto another place. Peradventure, it will please God that thou mayest curse me them from thence. He's still after this. And Balak brought Balaam unto the top of Peor that looketh toward Jeshimon. And Balaam said unto Balak, Build me here seven altars and prepare me seven bullocks and seven rams. And Balak did as Balaam said, had said and offered a bullock and a ram on every altar doing the exact same thing. This is the key verse. Watch this, verse 1. And when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he went not as at other times to seek for enchantments, but watch this. He set his face toward the wilderness, and Balaam lifted up his eyes, and he saw Israel abiding in his tents according to their tribes. And the Spirit of God came upon him and took up his parable. And said, Balaam, the son of Beor, has said, and the man whose eyes are open has said, and he continues on and he blesses them for the third and final time. You see, here, here it is. The benefit for Balaam to bless the children of Israel three times in the face of somebody that was against him, the benefit was to please God. And maybe there's some of you going, what an absolute waste here today. Folks, can I guarantee you, 
that it's not a waste. Balaam realized that it wasn't about making a difference. It wasn't about doing something that, or getting something that he wanted. It was about this. It was about pleasing God. I want to show you a few verses with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. If you come on Wednesday nights, we're studying through 1 Corinthians. We've already made it through this passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. First Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19, the Bible says what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? He says, watch this, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You see, the fact of the matter is, it doesn't matter what you do, the best thing that you can do is to glorify God in your body and in your spirit because they're God's. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31. Watch this. The Bible says this. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Doesn't matter if you're eating doesn't matter if you're drinking. I just took a drink. I hope I did it to the glory of God. Listen, the fact of the matter is every single thing that you do, it doesn't matter if you see something to make a difference, do it to the glory of God. It, it wasn't about blessing and cursing here. God didn't need him. You know what he want, God wanted? God wanted Balaam, Balaam, Balaam. He just wanted Balaam to please him. And you know what? Balaam said, I, I see that it pleases God to bless the children of Israel, so I'm just going to bless them. If I saw that it pleased God to curse them, then I'd curse them. It doesn't matter. I just want to please God. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16, the Bible says this, Let your light so shine before men. Why? That they may see your good works. Okay, cool. That's not the point, though. The point is, and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. You see, so often, especially churches, we work hard and we go around and we do good things in the community and we talk about other things so that people can see our good works. That's not necessarily bad. But we always forget the second half of that verse. We forget to glorify God. That God might get the glory. That's, that's the whole reason behind it. Most of you would probably know this verse. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. The Bible says this, for all have sinned, and what? Come short of the glory of God. You getting it? You see, if Balaam had cursed them, you know what he'd have done? He'd have fallen short of the glory of God. He wouldn't have done God any glory. Every time you make a choice for yourself, you're falling short of the glory of God. Every time you lie, every time you look at something that you shouldn't look at, every time you talk to somebody that you shouldn't talk to them that way, every time you, you, you put something in your body that you shouldn't, you're not glorifying God, which is the reason we are and were created for His glory. God doesn't need you. God created you. Revelation tells us that God created us for his glory. 
Listen, folks, listen, listen, listen. I'm not trying to say don't go around and make a difference. Don't look for opportunities to do something. But listen, if you do, and that's all you do, is just go around looking to make a difference. Well, what's the difference if I do this or that? And that's, that's how you base things. You're going to miss out on something. The fact of the matter is this. This is all behind the scenes. This has really nothing to do with Israel. And see, listen, you can go around looking behind the scenes and you can go around trying to make a difference, but you don't see what God sees. So God is trying to use you to make a difference worldwide in more than just a lifetime. He's trying to make a difference with you for eternity. And so listen, if you do your own thing and you say, listen, what's the difference? I'm just going to do what I want to do. You know what? You, you, might, you might get a sliver of time where it's wonderful. But God's trying to say, listen, I want to use you for an eternity. I want to change people's lives through you for eternity. So listen, you go right ahead and keep trying to make a difference. But when you glorify and please God with your life, you're allowing him to make a difference with your life. You just don't know what God's trying to do behind the scenes. He wants you. Do you want him? He doesn't need you. Listen, I'm standing here in front of you today apologizing for times in my life when I thought, God, you've got a pretty good package here. Over and over and over again, God says, I don't need you. I just want you to want me and glorify me. And so, as I stand here in front of you today, God doesn't need me. If I fall dead today, somebody else can come. Somebody else will do this job. I just want God. And I believe God wants me to want him. And I want God to, I want to glorify God in everything I do. So what's the difference? It's a huge difference. I wish I could explain it further. I honestly do, but I, this, this is honestly the best I can do. Glorifying God is something that I don't think you can ever describe. Other than glorifying God. But that's why we were created. So folks, God doesn't need you. Get it. He wants you. Let's pray.